Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental. Keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. Welcome to the Chris O Show on the Bay 88.7, or you could be listening on MuskokaUnlimited.com. Either way, get ready and enjoy the show. Um, today, I have a very special guest. Before I introduce my very special guest, I do have to say thank you to our December podcast sponsor, Muskoka Jewelry Design in downtown Huntsville, so check it out. And uh, without further ado, wonderful, wonderful lady who I met randomly at uh, the Legion, at a, at a at a December Christmas uh, holiday market sale, um, and she was selling these amazing uh, photographs and postcards and stuff from photography that she did. So Lauren Todd, wildlife photographer and science communicator, who has a PhD in molecular biology, which is really really cool to me because I don't have one of those. And so, uh, welcome, Lauren. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, so. Lauren, uh, the first thing we'll get into, because that's what how we met, is your wildlife photography. I mean, I've seen some of your photos. They're amazing. And uh, what got you into doing like photography and specifically about wildlife? Yeah, first of all, thank you for the, the compliment. Um, I think what really got me into it was not only, uh, you know, my interest in photography. Um, I was always interested in photography growing up. I never really knew you know, what I wanted to photograph or kind of how I wanted to express myself that way. But I just always found photography very interesting as an art form. Um, but also just my love for animals. I was always that kid, you know, instead of playing soccer, like I was supposed to while I was on the field as a child, I was like picking worms out of the ground. And like, I just loved all kinds of animals. I loved science. Um, and so just, you know, one day I was like, why don't I kind of pair those things? And I was looking for a new hobby, um, you know, and I had kind of a, a crappy old camera that I had had for a few years and never really used because, again, I didn't really know, you know, what I wanted to shoot. Yep. Um, and I'm like, why don't I just go outside with this and, and see what I can get? And I started shooting squirrels um, just in the city. And, you know, I thought the pictures look so great. And then now looking back, I'm like, oh, man. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I guess that that's sort of how I got started. <laughs> that's awesome, though. I mean, and, and we all start like small. I mean, I'm not... A great photographer by any means uh but i do enjoy taking shots of the wildlife around me um so like you know like and i have a really cute chipmunk picture that i just accidentally happened to get because we, we have two chipmunks live on our property chippy and chipster the hipster and <laughs> they come around and they literally will walk over our feet in the backyard because they're so used to us and we don't hurt them or whatever right um and so they uh like i got a really good picture of that but then i tried doing a picture of a bird and that didn't come out very well not like the one that we can see on your screen right now that's <laughs> like gorgeous in detail so um with your experience do you like go out now and like kind of like go and tell gonquin park or something like that looking for specific uh creatures yeah i do a lot of hiking um most of what i do is in algonquin park now just living up in muskoka um and so i I honestly don't often have like a target species in mind when I go out just because it's so hard sometimes to come across animals to photograph that I don't really want to have that disappointment when I don't find what I'm looking for. So I really just go out 
with an open mind. Um, you know, I strap my camera to my harness on my chest, go for a hike and just see what I can find. And so, you know, I'll, I'll kind of pay attention to what kind of habitats I'm in and what kind of animals I might come across. But I typically just go for, you know, whatever I can come across. And if that happens to just be a chickadee in the entire day and that's what I end up with, then that's fine. And I can practice shooting a chickadee. So really just going out and looking for anything that wants to kind of show its face to me. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. And so what's some of like the more, um, I guess, uh, elusive creatures you've been able to capture on uh, on your camera? Yeah, so actually very recently, just about a week or so before I met you, um, I was in Algonquin Park and it was one of those days where I, you know, was hiking for like eight or 10 hours and coming across really nothing. Um, I actually photographed on the side, this uh, raven that day, but I photographed him a few times. And so it wasn't anything too exciting, but I sat down on a park bench on one of the trails and uh, I was just about to leave, but I, you know, I, I never want to leave when it's the end of the day. It's always so hard to like turn back and go home, especially when you have nothing. So yeah, it's true. I just sat down for a bit, you know, nice scenery. I'm like, I'll just sit and wait and see what happens. I pulled out an apple, started having a snack and I was just about to turn around and go home when I was finished my snack. And then I looked to my left for no reason in particular. And there was just a wolf standing in the middle of the trail just alone looking at me and I'm like, oh, that's funny. There's a dog here. And then my brain clued in and I'm like, wait, why is there a dog here? There are no people here. I'm yeah. alone in the middle of a trail, pretty deep into the woods. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, that's, that's a wolf. That's not a dog. So I think for me, that was the most exciting encounter I've had recently. I've never seen a wolf in the wild before. Um, and I managed to get a single photo before it got scared of me and took off. So I at least have something to show for it. <laughs> oh, wow. That's amazing, though. And it, like, so were you a little bit um, apprehensive or or were you far enough away and had enough confidence that because wolves can tend to be very um, standoffish, like they're not going to come and attack you for the most part, like you know, obviously with, you know, you never know anything can happen, but most wolves that I've ever seen in my life have never like threatened me. Did you feel threatened at all? Or did you feel like, oh, wow, this is just such an amazing experience. I got to get it on camera. I don't worry about anything. Yeah, no, I think I definitely felt the excitement more so than the fear. Uh, I'm always careful, you know, not to put myself in dangerous situations, but I mean, it just happened to show up and and there was nothing I could do about it. So I just tried to stay calm, enjoyed the moment. I didn't approach it or anything like that. Um, And I didn't feel super threatened just because there was only one. Uh, So it didn't seem to be like, you know, within a pack. That being said, I have no idea. They could have been just off a little bit where I couldn't see the rest of the pack. So still cautious. I always hike with bear spray um, just to be safe. So, you know, if I had to use it, I could. But no, it was more just the excitement of like, oh my God, I'm seeing a wolf for the first time. This is insane. (laughs) After a day of hiking and finding nothing, it was just, it was great. That's awesome. That's awesome. And what a wonderful experience. I've never actually had, um, it's been a long time since I've seen a wolf and it was before, you know, cell phones and everything were a common thing. And, and I was, I was younger and never bringing a camera anywhere. So, and the few times I did, so you're so lucky that you had your camera because that's what you do and you go out and you find things and shoot things that's awesome and shoot meaning camera not gun for for any rando listening going oh she shoots things no um that's you know so uh that's so cool and now other than that like the wolf experience have you have you got moose anything else over time or no, I've never seen a moose with my own eyes, despite living in Muskoka and having cottages up here my whole life with my family. 
I am convinced that they're not real. They're mythical creatures. <laughs> I, I don't think they exist. Um, that's probably ridiculous coming from a biologist, but I have yet to see one. So I've many a time driven Highway 60, you know, through Algonquin Park yeah. in the morning and the evenings looking for moose. And yeah, they're not real. So they're not real. <laughs> <laughs> they're not real. I do you know what's so funny about moose is I'm the same as you. I've actually not seen one in Algonquin Park. Now I've seen them elsewhere in Muskoka. I saw a couple in Rosso. I saw a couple in Mactier. Um, but I have never seen it uh, like you know that Algonquin Park Highway 60 car- uh, corridor. I've never and, and in the park tra- trails nothing. Never seen a moose there. Other people have. I've never seen one. I don't. I agree with you. I don't think they exist in Algonquin Park. Yeah. I've seen them elsewhere, but they, I don't think they exist there. I think that's imaginary. I know. They say the easiest way to say to see them is to drive Highway 60 and just look at the side of the road. And I'm like, that sounds ridiculous. They're it's not. not. No, it's not. We've. I have in-laws that lived in Ottawa forever. We've gone back and forth that highway a million times. Not once have I seen a moose in Algonquin Park. But I saw. I saw one on uh, Aspen and Road out towards uh, Rosso. Just mm-hmm. on the side, walking along in the swamp there. Then my dad and I saw one in Mactier, like you know, off the road. You know what I mean? Or two, actually two. It was a mom and a and a and a baby, and oh, nice. running around. Yeah, it was gorgeous. It was gorgeous, and we saw it like like randomly, but never on Algonquin Park, which is hilarious, right? <laughs> um, and they're huge and they're beautiful. So I hope you do see one, and I hope you have your camera. Oh, um, thank you. I'll try to take your word that they exist then. <laughs> On that note, uh, speaking of the camera and getting these 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 beautiful shots and being able to capture these moments, um, do you bring like uh, like a full set or do you like of lenses and everything? Do you, is that what you have or do you have just your your basic lens and you kind of hope to be able to get the shot you want? Yeah, so I uh, have a very long telephoto lens, which is like 99% of the time what's attached to my camera body, uh, just because, you know, it's very hard to get close to animals and, you know, you don't want to get too close to them and bother them or scare them off or or make them uncomfortable. So um, it's all about keeping your distance. So I've got a very big telephoto lens um, and I usually have that strapped to like a chest harness when I hike, just so my hands can be free. Uh, and then I often carry like a macro lens in my backpack just in case I want to do anything kind of close up with any like insects or anything like that or, you know, amphibians or whatever. But uh, I typically have the telephoto lens is like my go to just the one. Yeah, very cool. And you're right, because that helps you get that long distance, not be not interact with the animal, but be able to still appreciate and get a beautiful photo and all that stuff. And that's really cool. And that's really cool. So if there are some amateur um, wildlife photographers out there or just like enthusiasts, um, is there any advice you could give them about, you know, going out and, and what they should kind of think about and do and bring when they're doing that kind of thing? Yeah, I think um, my biggest piece of advice is generally just like getting out there. Um, You know, the animals aren't going to come to you and they can be very elusive and hard to find. So the more time you spend just hiking out in the field, I think it's really important to just try to enjoy the hike for what it is. You're just, you know, out in nature, hiking around. And I think having like no major expectations is something that's really important to kind of learn just so that you're not always feeling that disappointment when you don't find what you want or when you don't find anything and you just come back at the end of the day going, you know what, that was a great hike. I feel refreshed. I feel connected to nature. And, and that to me is a big thing, but in terms of like specific uh, tips, I think one of my favorite tips is for finding owls 
um, which can be very hard, but once you kind of learn what to look for a little bit easier, um, one of the dead giveaways that there's an owl around is if you hear crows or ravens cawing, just like nonstop madness. Oh. Um, if there's a bunch of them collected kind of in the same tree or the same general area and they're just going off and won't stop, um, you should go find what tree they're in and look around at that tree or neighboring trees. And there's often an owl or at least like some kind of raptor, like a hawk or something like that sitting in the tree with them because um, they're very territorial. So they will squawk until that raptor leaves and often it's an owl. So good Interesting. Tip. Yeah. Oh, that's a great tip. That's awesome. Okay. You're listening to the Chris Oak show on 88.7 FM. We're having a quick break and we'll be right back. I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. So now I understand sometimes when the ravens and crows around my house, because we have a ton of trees and we live next to a ravine, right? That's a like a throw, a, a throughway for all kinds of wonderful creatures. Um, but they'll be around and they won't stop. And I'm like, so now that makes sense. Like, I don't know if it's an owl or like you said, an, uh, maybe it's a hawk or another raptor. Maybe it's a blue jay because we have some blue jays and they can be aggressive, as you know. Um, and so now that makes sense. So there's another bird around kind of upsetting them. And they're trying to uh, annoy it to get away or scare it yeah. away. Yeah, for sure. And like they'll mob the raptor, owl or hawk, whatever hat, whatever is in the tree. They will like literally swarm it and attack it and fly at it, um, dive bombing basically to get that bird out of their territory. So definitely can be very interesting to watch. And it's almost, it's a very weird sound hearing, um, you know, all the crows going off really close to you. It's almost like very disorienting when you're yeah. in the forest and there's just like hundreds of them going. It's pretty interesting sound, but yeah, definitely a good tip if you're looking for any kind of raptor to photograph. That's awesome. That's a great tip. And there are a lot of raptors around, like they're bald eagles. I see them on and off depending on how deep you are places. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. I've had hawks in my own trees uh, near my house. Um, I, I've seen an owl or two at friends houses, never at my own. Uh, but yeah, like, uh, great tip and there are so many beautiful creatures like especially the raptors and stuff that are not as common to see and so when you get a chance to see them even if you're not taking a photo if you just get a chance to see them it's a beautiful experience right so that's yeah, awesome that's a great tip now i know to go look around the other trees and see yeah. if, right when i hear them going off and i'm like what are they doing right that's great yeah. that's awesome <laughs> um so the other thing I was going to talk about with you, and I love, I love this title, science communicator. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna segue into that a little bit since we've been talking about so much wildlife. Um, what, what, what do you mean by science communicator? What, what does that represent? So I think for me, that's kind of like a, rather than a job title, it's more of just like a, a blanket identity, I guess. Um, science communication really hits on sort of every facet of my life. So. Uh, whether that be through, you know, my photography and, you know, kind of communicating the beauty of the animals that we share this world with um, or, you know, my actual day job. So I, I work in medical writing. Um, oh, no. So I work as a, a medical writer for pharmaceutical companies um, and, you know, just creating communication vehicles for them to share information about the drug that they are producing or, um, you know, the, the disease that they're, they're trying to treat. And so, you know, I communicate science in that way. Um, and then also I do a lot of volunteer work with wildlife rehabilitation organizations where I, you know, try to help get the message out about how important these kinds of centers are for rehabbing our injured or, or sick wildlife. Um, I donate a lot of my work, um, to auctions and things like that to support, uh, to support different rehabs. And so 
just, you know, kind of getting that message out that, you know, these these organizations don't get any government funding, um, at least in Canada, and they're entirely run on donations. And so part of what I do is just kind of raising awareness uh, for those organizations to try to get them more support. That's awesome. That's awesome. And like, so do you do some work sometimes with the wildlife sanctuary here with Aspen Valley and stuff like that? Or? Yeah, I would love to start. Um, I, from my print sales each year, I donate a proportion uh, to wildlife rehabs. And so I have been donating to Aspen Valley um, since I've nice. moved up into Muskoka, but nice. uh, I haven't directly volunteered with them yet. They're a little bit far for me to have like a regular shift, but yes. I would love to, you know, find more ways that I can perhaps virtually help them out. Well, I will, I will put you into contact with a wonderful, wonderful lady named Allison Withy, who okay. uh, uh, does a lot of their, who does all their communications. Um, and her and I are friends. And we actually just had a wonderful chat about uh, ways I could help uh, promote what they're doing and collaboration. So I will put you in touch with her. And then that might be an opportunity for you to do more. So there yeah, you go. Wonderful. Um, Sounds good. So that's really cool. So that's, so with these, like, you know, sanctuaries, what's some of the other ones you've worked with outside of, of Muskoka? Because I know you're saying that you haven't got too much involved. What are some of the things you've done other than, you know, raising funds through your work? Like, what are some of the things you do for these other sanctuaries and wildlife sanctuaries? Yeah, so I uh, used to live in Toronto. I did my PhD at the University of Toronto. And so when I was there, I actually lived across the street from the Toronto Wildlife Center, which is one of the biggest wildlife hospitals in the in Ontario. Um, and so I, I volunteered there, uh, I think it was about once a week for four hours after work. Um, nice. And yeah, I worked in the squirrel nursery. So I just hand fed, um, you know, like milk in a syringe to baby squirrels. And we had to kind of feed them every few hours. And so, you know, just rotating through each squirrel. And once you're done all of them, you're kind of back to that first one that needs to eat again. And so it was just constantly feeding baby squirrels, which is really adorable. <laughs> That's awesome. That's sweet. And then, well, when they get to be adults, they can be annoying, but babies, oh, yeah. all, all baby animals are awesome. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, they can be pretty mean and aggressive when they're older. It's, yeah. it's scary when we have like an adult squirrel patient that comes in and they can be quite aggressive, but the babies, like you don't have to worry so much about them biting you or anything like that. They typically don't. And if they do, it's like a little love bite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. You're right. It would be scary because like we, we've seen like adult squirrels, they're stronger than they look. And they can go crazy. Um, and that's why I don't ever handle them if you are just a regular person and not an expert. <laughs> yes, please don't do that. I actually got bit by an adult squirrel once when I was volunteering. I had like crazy amounts of gloves on, like several pairs of like yeah. hard leather gloves to protect me. And it bit my finger just like right here. And it didn't break the skin, but it was severely bruised for a very long time. And Even just, I'm lucky gloves. I was wearing the gloves. Yeah, it was craziness. <laughs> so they're terrifying. So, uh, well, at least you got okay. And you got a good story to tell out of that, right? There you go. <laughs> um, what are some other interesting stories you could say? Like, you know, you obviously, uh, you know, working with animals and wildlife all this time. What are some other interesting stories you could kind of tell like, um, whether in the wild or behind the scenes um, at a sanctuary that you should, you would be like, wow, this is something really cool. What are some of your cooler experiences other than the wolf that we talked about and a squirrel biting you? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think um, one of my coolest experiences, actually I've had several with it, but the Raven um, just behind me, I've spent a lot of time photographing this Raven. There's a pair that are uh, on a specific trail in Algonquin Park and they've been there for years. Um, and they're very fun to photograph. They're very fun to watch. They're such intelligent birds and just kind of watching them communicate with each other and, you know, communicate with me even. Like I've spent countless hours just sitting watching them and 
they make these crazy vocalizations that just sound like otherworldly. Like everybody listening, please go Google Raven sounds and just listen to how insane they sound. They sound like aliens. Yeah. So I think like that's one of my most fun experiences is just sitting and enjoying uh, this pair of Ravens and, and listening to them kind of talk to each other and just, you know, watching them interact. It's, it's amazing. They're such smart birds. That's awesome. Do you ever talk to them? I talk to the animals around me, so no judgment, but do you ever talk to them? Yeah, sometimes I, I feel a little awkward when I catch myself doing it. So I'm like, <laughs> this is crazy. I'm a crazy lady talking to animals, but I do a little bit here and there. It, it's hard to not feel connected to them when you're alone in the wild and they're so close to you and, you yeah. know, sharing the same environment. It's we're all part of nature, right? So exactly shouldn't be any crazier than talking to a human, but I guess it is because I don't think they understand what I'm saying. You know, well, so here's the funny thing. So I have heard from several people, you know, who are kind of, I don't know, I say older, older individuals over time that have like actually made friends with Raven where they recognize your face. Right. And so they're not intimidated by you. They, they you know, uh, one lady that uh, is friends of the family, a Raven used to meet her all the time and greet her when she would like drive home after work like in her parking lot. So it's not crazy. I think so. I don't know if they understand us or maybe they recognize our tone is friendly and they recognize our face and our voice. But I think some animals get to know you like the chipmunks in our backyard that have been around for 11 years with us, like that will literally rock, walk over our feet and know that we're okay or, or be chipping at things and I'll walk outside and it won't even run away or move. You know what I mean? It, yeah, I know so, for sure. So yeah, maybe and I talk to them. Hi, how you doing? Like, I, yeah. <laughs> maybe it's the aura or the tone or whatever. But I don't think it's crazy. I think it's good. I think it it shows that you're friendly and welcoming, and 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 you know you're part of like the environment that they could feel safe in, right? So yeah, no, and it's funny that you you talk about ravens kind of recognizing people because a, a funny sort of rehab story. Um, is at the Toronto Wildlife Center, uh, whenever we had any raven patients come in, we would actually have somebody put on this like raven mask that was like a black mask and it had this huge like yeah, paper mache yeah. beak so that the animal didn't realize they were being fed by a human and so they didn't associate you know, humans with food, because that oh, can be dangerous once yeah. they're released in the wild. So the the person going to feed them would literally put this mask on and it looked like the plague doctor kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. vibe. And it looked so ridiculous, but it was important to, you know, make sure that the raven that was a patient, you know, didn't kind of connect with that human and expect food from them and not kind of learn those wild skills, you know, finding food themselves or, you know, at least learning the skills to avoid humans and not seek food, because yeah. that can be dangerous in the, the real world. So. No, very cool. I, I like that idea because it is. And it's like, um, I've done some interviews over the years with uh, Mike McIntosh, who runs bearwithus.org, up like the Bear With Us Sanctuary, right? Up north from here. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, he's always, his his biggest thing is to limit uh, and, and, and avoid at all costs any attachment to humans with any of the cubs they save or anything like that. Um, as you know, cause you're a biologist and you know, all this stuff, but just for our audience. <laughs> um, so like, he's always like at all costs, like you don't want them to get used to human sense and they do everything they can to limit any human interaction, um, even while caring for them and, and, and taking care of them and to, um, you know, like they wear all the gloves to avoid any scent as possible so that when they release all the cubs and, and the bears and everything back to the wild, they avoid humans still to avoid any conflicts. Right? Yeah, no, it's definitely something that's really important. Like, I think 
people don't realize how dangerous it is to, you know, for example, feed wildlife. Um, they think, oh, I have some bread and this animal looks hungry and it's cute. So I'm going to feed it. And, and they don't realize the damage that they're possibly doing just because, you know, the more and more that happens with a particular animal, the more and more they get used to humans and expect food or attention from humans. Yeah. Um, and that will actually, you know, potentially impact their feeding abilities, like their ability or, you know, understanding of the need to look for food. Yep. Um, and also like they will start seeking out human interaction. So that kind of interaction where humans are feeding animals brings a lot of animals to roadways um, because they are looking for humans to give them food. And, and that can be really dangerous just from like a survival perspective because, you know, car accidents and things like that happen with animals all the time. So yeah, it's always good to avoid, you know, an actual interaction as much as possible, like feeding and that sort of thing with a, a wild animal. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Like, I mean, you can't help it. Like, I can't help when the chippies come over my feet, um, but I don't pick them up. I don't try and touch them. I don't, you know what I mean. We don't feed them. Um, we just enjoy their presence, right? And I think that that's kind of and and chipmunks aren't a, a dangerous animal, so you know it, we just enjoy their presence. Um, but if there's a bear. And even though black bears are not violent or aggressive, um, they're generally just leave me alone and I'll leave you alone. Don't approach it. Don't try and be friends with it because there was a situation years ago in Muskoka on um, on Aspen Road, on Muskoka Road, uh, whatever, that, that turns into Aspen Road near Sand Hill Nursery in Huntsville, mm -hmm. where people were feeding this, uh, this yearling and out of their cars. And so it got used to coming up to cars. Yeah. Right? So eventually, good. like, you know, uh, like I think it was bear with us or so whoever came and and, and uh, trapped and moved the bear. But it was like, oh, my gosh. And it came up to my sister's car and she called me. And back then I was reporting full time with uh, with a, a, a now defunct uh, magazine here. And uh, we won't tell say the name. But anyways. And uh, so she called me. She goes, you want to do this story? Look at this picture. And it was like the bear on her window, all looking for food. So we did this story about this bear looking for food and then, you know, called the authorities and said, guys, there's a bear out there going up because people are feeding out of their car window. This oh isn't like this isn't <laughs> African lion safari. Like, yeah. let's go, right? This is real life. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. And so just to your point, like, don't do that. <laughs> don't yeah, it's never a good thing. <laughs> Any, like, you, the, the, the animal could get hurt. You could get hurt. And it, it's just, you know, let them be, enjoy their presence. Look at them, watch them, uh, appreciate the beauty, but yeah, don't get near them. See, see, I'm educating too. Look at that. Yeah, you got me, there you go. <laughs> you got me all. You got me all educating people. Um, so it's uh, we're down to a couple minutes left. See how fast this goes. It's crazy. You and I will do another show in the new year and 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 update on what's going on in each in each other's animal world. Um, sure. But time for your shameless plug. So I'm going to shameless plug your Instagram account at blonde underscore biologist. That's your Instagram account, right, Lauren? Yeah. Right. So there's a little shameless plug there. Now you can give me a little shameless plug on your website for everybody to hear. Yeah, well, for website? sure. What's your website? Let everybody know. Uh, it's laurentodphotography.ca. Perfect. There's the shameless plug that we like to do to promote our guests. <laughs> Thank so you. on that note, we're, this was a great show. You are a wonderful guest. You're super intelligent, super well-spoken and do some great photography. And I encourage everyone to check out more of Lauren's work. So thank you for coming, Lauren. Thank you for having me. And for everybody, uh, thanks to our December podcast sponsor, Muskoka Jewelry Design. And of course, don't forget, MuskokaLimited.com. 
where you find the Chris O show and a whole bunch of other amazing content. So thank you for listening. Thank you to Lauren. Thank you to everybody. Uh, and don't forget, check out Lauren's stuff. She obviously does a lot of work with sanctuaries and wildlife, and she's a very awesome photographer. So check out her stuff and support. Okay. Don't forget to support. That's the important part. All right. Thank you everyone for listening. Bye for now. Thank you everyone for listening. That was the Chris O show on 887 the Bay or MuskokaLimba.com. Either way, thanks for listening and have a wonderful day.